Section 36 of Old and New Masters by Robert Lind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rudyard Kipling, The Poet of Life with a Capital Hell. Everybody who is older than a schoolboy remembers how Mr. Rudyard Kipling was once a modern. He might, indeed, have been described at the time as a post-imperialist. Raucous and young, he had left behind him the ornate imperialism of Disraeli, on the other hand, and the cultured imperialism of Tennyson, on the other. He sang of imperialism as it was, or was about to be, vulgar and canting and bloody, and a world that was preparing itself for an imperialism that would be vulgar and canting and bloody bade him welcome. In one breath he would give you an invocation to Jehovah in the next with a dig in the ribs he would be getting round the roguish side of you with the assurance that if you've ever stole a pheasant egg behind the keeper's back if you've ever snigged the washin' from the line if you've ever crammed a gander in your bloomin' aversack you will understand this little song o mine this jumble which seems so curious nowadays of delight in piety and delight in twopence coloured mischiefs came as a glorious novelty and respite to the oppressed race of victorians hitherto they had been building up an empire decently and in order no doubt many reprehensible things were being done but they were being done quietly outwardly so far as was possible a respectable front was preserved it was mr kipling's distinction to tear off the mask of imperialism as a needless and irritating encumbrance he had too much sense of reality too much humour indeed to want to portray empire builders as a company of plaster saints like an enfant terrible he was ready to proclaim aloud a host of things which had until then been kept as decorously in the dark as a skeleton in the family cupboard the thousand and one incidents of lust and loot of dishonesty and brutality and drunkenness all of those things to which builders of empire like many other human beings are at times prone he never dreamed of treating as matters to be hushed up or apparently indeed to be regretted he accepted them quite frankly as all in the day's work there was even a suspicion of enthusiasm in the heartiness with which he referred to them simple old clergyman with a sentimental vision of an imperialism that meant a chain of mission stations painted red encircling the earth suddenly found themselves called upon to sing a new psalm ow the loot bloomin loot that's a thing to make the boys get up and shoot it's the same with dogs and men if you'd make em come again clap em forward with a loo 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 loot whoopee tear em puppy loo 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 loot 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 frankly i wish mr kipling had always written in this strain it might have frightened the clergyman away unfortunately no sooner had the old-fashioned among his readers begun to show signs of nervousness than he would suddenly feel in the mood for a tune on his old testament harp and taking it down would twang from its strings a lay of duty take up he would sing take up the white man's burden send forth the best ye breed go bind your sons to exile to serve your captives need to wait in heavy harness on fluttered folk and wild your new-caught sullen peoples half devil and half child little willie in the track scarcely dreamed of a thornier path of self-sacrifice no wonder the sentimentalists were soon all dancing to the new music music which perhaps had more of the harmonium than the harp in it but was none the less suited on that account to its revivalistic purpose 
at the same time much as we may have been attracted to mr kipling in his sabbath moods it was with what we may call his saturday night moods that he first won the enthusiasm of the young men they loved him for his bad language long before he had ever preached a sermon or written a leading article in verse his literary adaptation and the unmeasured talk of the barrack-room seemed to initiate them into a life at once more real and more adventurous than the quiet three meals a day ritual of their homes he sang of men who defied the laws of man. Still more exciting, he sang of men who defied the laws of God. Every oath he loosed rang heroically in the air like a challenge to the universe, for his characters talked in a daring, swearing fashion that was new in literature. One remembers the bright-eyed enthusiasm with which fair young men used to repeat to each other lines like the one in The Ballad of the Bolivar, which runs, Boys, the wheel has gone to hell. Rig the winches aft not that anybody knew or cared what rigging the winches aft meant it was a familiar and fearless commerce with hell that seemed to give literature a new horizon similarly it was the eternal flames in the background that made the tattered figure of gunga din the water carrier so favored a theme with virgins and boys with what delight they would quote the verse so i'll meet em later on at the place where e is gone where it's always double drill and no canteen it'll be squatting on the coals giving drink to poor damn souls and i'll get a swing in hell from gunga din ever since the days of aucassin indeed who praised hell as a place whither were bound the men of fashion and the good scholars and the courteous fair ladies youth has taken a strange heretical delight in hell and damnation mr kipling offered new meats to the old taste gentlemen rankers out on the spree damn from here to eternity began to wear halos in the undergraduate imagination those seven men from out of hell who went rolling down the ratcliffe road drunk and raising cane were men with whom youth would have rejoiced to shake hands one even wrote bad verses oneself in those days in which one loved to picture oneself as cursed with the curse of reuben seared with the brand of cane though so far one's most desperate adventure into reality had been the consumption of a small claret hot with a slice of lemon in it in a back street public-house thus mr kibling brought a new violence and wonder a sort of debased byronism into the imagination of youth at least he put a crown upon the violence and wonder which youth had long previously discovered for itself in penny dreadfuls and in its rebellion against conventions and orthodoxies it may be protested however that this is an incomplete account of mr kipling's genius as a poet he does something more in his verse it may be urged than drone on the harmonium of imperialism and transmute the language of the ratcliffe road into polite literature that is quite true he owes his fame partly also to the brilliance with which he talked adventure and talked shock to a generation that was exceptionally greedy for both he more than any other writer of his time set to banjo music the restlessness of the young man who would not stay at home the romance of the man who lived and labored at least a thousand miles away from the home of his fathers he excited the imagination of youth with deaf questions such as do you know the pile belt village where the sago dealers trade do you know the rick of fish and wet bamboo if you did not know all about the sago dealers and the fish and the wet bamboo mr kipling had a way of making you feel unpardonably ignorant and the moral of your ignorance always was that you must go 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 away from here hence an immense increase in the number of passages booked to the colonies 
mr kipling in his verse simply acted as a gorgeous poster artist of empire and even those who resisted his call to adventure were hypnotized by his easy and lavish manner of talking shop he could talk the shop of the army the sea the engine-room the art school the charwoman he was a perfect young bacon of omniscience how we thrilled at the unintelligible jingle of the anchor song with its cunning blend of shop and adventure hey tally on aft and walk away with her handsome to the cathead now oh tally on the fall stop seize and fish and easy on the davit guy up well up the fluke of her and inboard haul well ah fare you well for the channel winds took hold of us choking down our voices as we snatched the gaskets free and it's blowing up for night and she's dropping light on light and she's snortin' and she's snatchin' for a breath of open sea the worst of mr kipling is that in verse like this he is not only omniscient he is knowing he mistakes knowingness for knowledge he even mistakes it for wisdom at times as when he writes not of ships but of women his knowing attitude to women makes some of his verse not very much to be quite fair absolutely detestable the ladies seems to me the vulgarest poem written by a man of genius in our time as one reads it one feels how right oscar wilde was when he said that mr kipling had seen many strange things through keyholes mr kipling's defenders may reply that in poems like this he is merely dramatizing the point of view of the barrack room but it is unfair to saddle the barrack room with responsibility for the view of women which appears here and elsewhere in the author's verse one is conscious of a kind of malign cynicism in mr kipling's own attitude as one reads the young british soldier with a verse like if your wife should go wrong with a comrade be loath to shoot when you catch em you'll swing on my oath make em take her and keep her that's hell for them both and you're shut o oh, the curse of a soldier that seems to me fairly to represent the level of mr kipling's poetic wisdom in regard to the relations between the sexes it is a logical result of the keyhole view of life and similarly his imperialism is a mean and miserable thing because it is the result of a keyhole view of humanity spiritually mr kipling may be said to have seen thousands of miles and thousands of places through keyholes in him wide wanderings have produced a narrow mind and an empire has become as petty a thing as the horde in a miser's garret many of his poems are simply miser shrieks when the horde seems to be threatened he cannot even praise the flag of his country without a shrill note of malice winds of the world give answer they are whimpering to and fro and what should they know of england who only england know the poor little street-bred people that vapor and fume and brag they are lifting their heads in the stillness to yelp at the english flag mr kipling is a good judge of yelping the truth is mr kipling has put the worst of his genius into his poetry his verses have brazen go and lively color and something of the music of travel but they are too illiberal too snappish too knowing to afford deep or permanent pleasure to the human spirit end of section thirty six read by ginger cucolo